Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. We are ready for an update episode. I know, already. I know. Can you believe we are already at the end of season two? And we're on episode 99. Isn't that crazy? Yes. It's a great number, though. I love the number 99. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Agent 99 was a nice lady. Oh, there you go. And get smart. There you go. Way to make an entertainment connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> to start us off on our update of 99, I, you know, I love the seeing what the top episodes are and oh, everything yes. like that. So our top 10 episodes as okay. of right now, Tommy Dew, he's still got the wow. top spot. Frozen in Time, an interview with Charleston's Tommy Dew, fan favorite, our favorite, you know, <laughs> Staging a Murder. Number two. Mm-hmm. Three is Selena the White Rose. Oh, mm-hmm. she's moved up. She has. May I Help You Fall Asleep, our ASMR yes, friends. Yes, Jaws Part 2. Well, that's interesting. No, not part, <laughs> part one. Okay. Another favorite of mine, Making History with Eric Archilla, behind uh, the scenes yes. of the hit podcast 1865. Shout out to him. Then You're Not Crazy, You're Being Gaslighted. I love that one. I do too. Last two, A Look Inside the Most Terrifying Building in America, Waverly Hills Sanatorium, mm. where we've discovered I will never go there. <laughs> and, and then the last two, Forging a New Path, Michael J. Fox, Christina Applegate, and Robert Downey Jr. And the final is May I Help You Solve a Crime. Ooh. Yeah. That's a nice list. It is a nice list. And then we also have our top countries. We have, we're international now, Candy. Hey. We have United States, of course. Yes. Our friends up north in Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and Singapore. Well, hello to our friends from other places. (laughs) That's right. And you know, I've been tracking, we've officially been downloaded in now 48 states. What are the two we're missing? (laughs) Montana. Montana. And Alaska. New Hampshire finally caved. (laughs) It was like the only state on the north, on the whole, you know, the whole coast that hadn't downloaded us. And there's one download. We're pro- we are probably not their cup of tea because it's only one download, but it still counts. <laughs> it it still counts. So New Hampshire, give us another try. I promise you'll like us. But Montana <laughs> just does not have time for us, nor does Alaska. <laughs> they are busy. They are busy outdoors. They are doing big, big things. <laughs> yeah. So for our top 12 states i kind of did that because there were some that were really close together we have kentucky tennessee okay indiana texas ohio new york california georgia the district of columbia pennsylvania florida and south carolina nice home of tommy Dew. <laughs> So I'm going to give Tommy do a shout out whenever possible. All right. And that's our statistics. I love our statistics. Yeah. It's so fun. Well, we have a lot of updates, of course, coming up for season two. But before we jump into that, we have just a couple of things we wanted to go back and address from season one. Yeah, things are yeah. still happening. That's right. So I'm going to share a quick update 
related to rust. Yeah. Yeah. Remember our killed on film episodes. So as you guys recall, Alec Baldwin was charged with involuntary manslaughter after the gun he was practicing with went off on the film set of the movie Rust, which killed the cinematographer and injured the director. Yeah. So tragic. But this past April, the charges against Alec Baldwin were dropped. In a statement to Entertainment Tonight ET, the special prosecutors Carrie Morrissey and Jason Lewis explained why they decided to drop the charges, which I thought was interesting. So here's a quote from that source. Over the last few days and in preparation for the May 3rd, 2023 preliminary hearing, new facts were revealed that demand further investigation and forensic analysis in the case against Alexander Alec Ray Baldwin III. The statement read, consequently, we cannot proceed under the current time constraints and on the facts and evidence turned over by law enforcement in its existing form. We therefore will be dismissing the involuntary manslaughter charges against Mr. Baldwin to conduct further investigation. Mm. This decision does not absolve Mr. Baldwin of criminal culpability and charges may be refiled. Okay. Our follow-up investigation will remain active and ongoing. And the statement, that particular statement, which of course is now two months old, but it concluded by saying, that the charges against the rust armorer Hannah Gutierrez Reed remain unchanged. But I did find that on June 22nd, just this past June 2023, the prosecutors filed a new charge against Hannah Gutierrez Reed, which was tampering with evidence. She had previously been charged with one count of involuntary manslaughter, but prosecutors claimed that on or about October 21st of 2021 in Santa Fe County, New Mexico, that she, quote, did transfer narcotics to another person with Mm. the intent to prevent the apprehension prosecution or conviction of herself and the highest crime was a fourth degree felony. Now her lawyers said that this was vindictive and dirty Mm -hmm. paraphrasing them. They said that this was not, you know, something that had credibility but that's what's going on with with her. Meanwhile they finished the film Rust. It actually wrapped in late May and Alec Baldwin did mark the achievement with an Instagram post. It showed two of his castmates and part of his caption read quote, it's been a long and difficult road but we reached the end of the trail today congratulations to joel bianca and the entire cast and crew nothing less than a miracle Mm. so that's the latest so okay so what i'm understanding then is that they have dismissed the charges as they stand because they want to do more investigation so they may recharge them okay i was under the impression that it just been dismissed right no but no the way that reads is there is the possibility of new charges i wonder if the involuntary manslaughter is going to be upped that's what I wondered as well. Instead of involuntary, where it's going to be right. murder instead. It definitely left that open as a possibility mm-hmm. in my mind. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Well, you found something related to our Jaws episode, didn't you? I did. I have I have something. You know, we talked about the shark is broken. It was having a run on in London, I believe, when we spoke last. But now it is moving to Broadway. Yay. Previews start July 25th. It's 90 minutes with no intermission. Ian Shaw does star as his father and as we said before it is written by Ian Shaw and Joseph Nixon Mm -hmm. but joining Ian Shaw they have just recast the other two roles I assume the other I'm assuming I have no idea why they didn't come back over but the other two actors have been recast for the American production Alex Brightman Mm -hmm. is the Richard Dreyfuss character and he previously starred as Beetlejuice on Broadway. Oh that's interesting. Yep and Colin Donnell as Roy Scheider who is in the cast of Jersey Boys and Anything Goes and that was according to Broadway Internet Movie Database. 
release. It opens August 10th, which is the same month that this show will air. So break a leg, guys. If you hear this, probably they won't. But but if you do. And then it it already has a closing date of November 19th, 2023. It's it's going to be at the John Golden Theater in New York, New York. Sounds like they have a great cast. I know. I yeah. wish we could go see this. We saw a picture of the son. Who? What was his name? Ian, Ian. Shaw. He looks so much like his oh, father, yes he does. doesn't he? Yeah, that was great. Well, that's super interesting. Yeah, and I have another follow-up from our first season. Mm-hmm. This Top Gun Maverick. Ooh. You know that uh, the case about the copyright? Yes. It is also still going on. Really? I, I have a feeling we're going to be following the Rust case and this case for a while. For a while now. Mm-hmm. So as a reminder, Paramount bought the film rights to the 1983 article written by a man named, and I, I probably will mispronounce this, Ehud Yane. That film eventually became the mega hit Top Gun. In 2022, Paramount released a sequel, Top Gun Maverick, which was not just a hit, it was a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg was quoted as saying that Tom Cruise nearly single-handedly saved theatrical distribution with this movie. Wow. Big deal. Now, here's where the conflict sets in. I'm pulling from a Hollywood Reporter article dated November 10th, 2022, so it's a little bit old. There is a provision in copyright law that allows authors to reclaim the right to their original work after a set waiting period, which is usually around 35 years. Ehud Yane's wife and son, named Shoash and Yuval Yane, maintained that they applied for and were given back the rights to the original article as of January of 2020. They say they alerted Paramount to this change by sending them a notice of termination, which they say Paramount ignored. Now continuing to quote from the article directly prior to the termination date, which was January 2020. Mm -hmm. In a motion to dismiss the lawsuit, it also stressed that the story at issue is a nonfiction piece that shares no similarity with the narrative action movie about a fictional veteran pilot. The Yanez countered with a list of more than 70 alleged similarities between the article and the sequel. Oh, goodness. His original article and the sequel. Yeah. U.S. District Judge Percy Anderson found on Thursday that the suit pointed to enough similarities between the story and Top Gun Maverick to survive dismissal. He says, quote, defendant's primary argument in its motion to dismiss is that the plaintiffs have not sufficiently pled in their complaint that the article and the sequel are substantially similar, reads the order. The court disagrees. Oh, wow. Yeah. According to the Buffalo News, a hearing is scheduled for September 26, 2023. So that is coming up. It's coming up this fall. Yeah, I'm very interested in following this story. I I think I have thought from the beginning they have they have a case. Mm. They really Sounds like they the court really, thinks they have a case. The court thinks they have a case. I don't think that they're wanting them to pull distribution. They just want like a give us it. just give us a cut mm. of it. I think at first they were kind of threatening to pull distribution, but once they saw how big this movie was, uh, there's no way it's going to get pulled. So just give us the royalties that he would have gotten because you took from his article. Right. Mm-mm-mm. I, I said it then, I'll say it now. These things make my brain me hurt. Too. And it makes me so scared. On, do they have juries? I would hate to be on a jury ha- or the judge whomever makes that decision. I would not enjoy that. Ooh, okay. Well, that brings us to <laughs> our... happier. <laughs> I don't know if this is happier, but I think it's fun. Okay, it is happier. We started season two with the, a theme that I absolutely loved, Spooktober, and four episodes that I had a blast recording, mm-hmm. as I recall. The very first one was our episode called A Look Inside the Most Terrifying Building in America, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Well... Never going. 
Timmy is safe. I would safe. go there right now. No. I would get in the car and go there the <laughs> second. You, I, I would wave to you as you drove away. <laughs> okay, well, here's the fun part. Okay. After that episode aired, some of Kirk's friends were, who are listeners were talking mm-hmm. about it. And one of his friends and a, a co-worker who I don't believe was a, a listener prior to that, she was interested and she is now, she is now a listener. Oh, yay. But... She heard our episode and she had some of her own experiences oh my to share. No. And so I asked her mm. to send in a little audio okay. clip okay. to share oh, this one very memorable <gasps> um, experience that she had in Waverly. Oh my gosh. I'll play that for you. All right. When I met my husband in 1999, I had never heard of Waverly Hills until he told me about it. While mountain biking, he and his buddies had discovered this old building and explored it and started learning about it and then they ended up sometimes they would go and practice their repelling skills before trips to red river gorge and they would go up to the roof and repel off the side so he asked me if i wanted to go for a bit of a hike and check out this old place we did and i with a bit of nerves walked right past those no trespassing signs up the back hill and absolutely fell in love with the building the architecture and the detail and just the beauty of it you know when he first started going there it was still full of furniture you could tell which rooms were laboratories exam rooms offices patient rooms and uh, like the labs were full of medical equipment at the time when i went like the the bathrooms were still full of beautiful marble and it was just gorgeous so we were exploring all of the rooms i think it was on the third floor when we were walking on the back side where the promenade is and those big beautiful brick frames that just let light flood across the hallway and into each room on the interior side of the building and we would explore the room and then move on down the hall and then we got to a room almost to the curve in the building and I felt sick before I saw this this one particular room. I felt sick and I felt terrified. I was clammy, I was sweating, and just scared. So I looked to my left and realized that there was one room where there was no light. And it was like the light just stopped at the door frame as though a door was closed <laughs> into the room. I, um, I had no feelings. I was pretty skeptical about anything um, as far as spirits or, you know, any kind of connections or anything like that. I just knew I couldn't go in there. And I remember hearing my voice say to him, I can't go in that room. Bad things happened there. Don't make me go in. And I thought, I sound like an absolute loon and this guy's never going to call me again. (laughs) But he looked at me like he wasn't sure if I was crazy or if I was right. But he said, we don't have to go there. And I'm telling you, as soon as we walked by and got back into the light, I was fine. I wasn't sick. I wasn't sweaty. And everything was fine. I just knew something awful happened there. I wish I knew what the room number was, but I don't. We almost had a run-in with some security guards with questionable ethics, and I remember praying that if I got out of there, I would never return without permission of the owner. So my husband assures me that now that they do haunted houses and whatnot, I could go there safely, but I don't think a haunted house would ever scare me the way that Waverly did by itself. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, thank you to Trina yes. for sending that. Wasn't she a wonderful storyteller? Yes. I mean, she did such a beautiful job telling about Very descriptive. You heard me laugh at an inappropriate time, which was because I was looking at <laughs> Ashley, who looked like she was just about to like, no, I don't I know, just, collapse in the middle of the floor. I like can't. She's like holding her face oh, and she's like, her eyes are watering. Oh. So 
My my laughter was <gasps> not about the story. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. She was laughing at me. I was trying not to exclaim while she I was like keeping my thoughts inside of me. But it, it was cool though that she was there so long ago. That, that did any, nobody really owned it at that point. Well, and I don't know about that part of it. It probably was abandoned. Oh um, yeah, that's we're what I mean. Guessing, but I thought it was interesting that she said the furniture and the appliances and things were still in it at that, that time. That would be so creepy oh, too. Can you, I mean, can you imagine? Yes. That's why I'm making the faces that I am. And then the, the security guards with scrupulous whatever. That's like, what is happening? Yeah. Oh, well. Made my eyes I, water. I thought that would be a great way to start because when she told me the story in person, I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And so for our update, I was like, Trina, could you <laughs> She did a great job, Trina. Did. Thank you for giving me the watery eyes. <laughs> Well, that actually brings us to November, I think, in terms of our updates. Our November month was potpourri. It was just kind of this little mixture of whatever we wanted to address. That's right. That's right. And one of the fun episodes from that month was Stranger Things, a nostalgic love letter to the 80s, which you took, didn't you, Ashley? I did. And actually, Jaden, my friend Jaden, sent me something just yesterday about Stranger Things. So I've got a couple things for you. Filming for the final season, season five, is supposed to already be underway. But in early May, the Duffer brothers posted a note on Twitter stating, that filming will not start until the writer's strike is over. So who knows when that is going to be. Two interesting romance notes. Millie Bobby Brown is engaged to actor Jake Bon Jovi, the son of musician John Bon Jovi. And there is probably, you guys already know this, but there is one real life couple in the cast. Though Natalia Dyer's Nancy Wheeler was linked to Steve Joe Keery in season one, she eventually started dating Charlie Heaton's Jonathan Byers on the show and then eventually in real life as well. And they have been together for several years. Now I did not know that. You did not know that? I know. Isn't that... I, that's, to me, such a fun detail. I huh. can't believe that it gotten past me. Yes. So the thing that Jaden sent us is this fascinating trailer for a Stranger Things stage show. How fun in is that? London. It's at the London Theater. And I am reading, I'm reading from my phone because I didn't have time to put it in the document yet, but it's called Stranger Things, The First Shadow. And this is from the London Theater website. And here is the synopsis. Hawkins, 1959. A regular town with regular worries. Young Jim Hopper's car won't start. Bob Newby's sister won't take his radio show seriously. And Joyce Maladano just wants to graduate and get out of town. When the new student Henry Creel arrives, his family <laughs> finds that a fresh start isn't so easy and the shadows of the past have a very long reach. Brought to life by multi-award winning creative team who take theatrical storytelling and stagecraft to a whole new dimension this gripping new adventure will take you right back to the beginning of the Stranger Things story and may hold a key to the end. By Kate T-R-E-F-R-Y Trifry, not sure. Original story by the Duffer Brothers, Jack Thorne and Kate Trifry, based on the Netflix series Stranger Things, created by the Duffer Brothers and directed by Stephen Daldry. The play is set within the world and mythology of Stranger Things. A good guide would be to check if you and your party are comfortable with the level of content within the TV show. Oh, Yes, the runtime is two hours and 30 minutes, including an interval, which I assume they mean intermission. Opening date, November 17th, 2023. Closing date, August 25th, 2024. I would love to see that. Yeah, it's at the Phoenix Theater and recommended for 12 plus. Under 16 must be accompanied by an adult. Under five is not permitted. Okay, so we're going to have some scary things happening. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah. Oh, I, I would love to see that. That sounds yeah. really good. The first shadow. 
Ooh. All right. So thank you, Jaden. Yes, yes. Well, also in November, we had an episode called I Want My Old MTV. Yes. And we did talk about the fact within that episode that MTV is not the MTV that it used to be. It used to be. Mm-hmm. And apparently it has taken some more hits since then. A May 10th, 2023 CNN article said this. A major Paramount division announced Tuesday it will shutter MTV News and slash its U.S. workforce by 20 bringing to an end the iconic music video network's news division that once covered a range of issues from pop culture to politics and became a household name for Generation X and millennial adolescents. Mm. So it's the end of an era, truly is. They pointed out that the channel over the years had times when it had just really groundbreaking stuff. Mm -hmm. Unforgettable coverage was the term they used in this article. They covered things like the fall of the Berlin Wall, a Town hall with president at that time, Bill Clinton, the death of Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain. Like they yeah. were, they were in it. Yeah. At back in the day, but it's it's the end. It's yeah. it's now it's now over. But the article also pointed out this is significant not only for MTV, but it's a sign that a lot of other media outlets are hurting too, because there were layoffs and cuts that were taking place in other um, areas yes in other Mm. areas too so that was a quick update there and we are actually already in december which was a holly jolly holiday i happened to reach out to chris church who was the manager for conrad caldwell yes we loved that place remember we took our candlelight yes we did so fun and i asked if he happened to have any updates he would Mm -hmm. like to share well something that he told us was that their museum is embarking on a restoration of the office's leaded glass windows on the third floor they are very excited about that project because i mean i'm sure you're always having to upkeep and renovate when you are dealing with a historical home like that he said they are still accepting donations on their website for that project and he kind of gave a little teaser that their candlelight christmas tours will be returning but maybe with a little twist (gasps) not sure what that is interesting but something to maybe look forward to yes hey yes i would like to i'd like to go back and do it again yeah so the thing i found was on the christmas story sequel a christmas story christmas well or christmas story a christmas story itself and it actually happened on the day that i was looking all this information up like an hour before i googled it it came out Okay. Uh, so you did mention, of course, this is this is something separate. You did mention during the episode that Melinda Dillon had retired from acting. It would not be reprising her role in the film. I am sad to report, if you have not heard already, that Melinda did pass away on January 9th of this year at 83 years old. Mm. A cause of death was never given. But in happier news, in an article published on June 21st, 2023, an hour, pretty much an hour before I Googled it, the Akron Beacon Journal reported that, quote, the biggest cast reunion of the beloved A Christmas Story movie will be held in Cleveland this November, end quote. Hosted by the Greater Cleveland Film Commission, it is a three-day event, November 10th, 11th, and 12th, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the release of the beloved film and will be located at the Cleveland Public Auditorium. Their promises 
places to be behind the scenes stories, an opportunity to meet Zach Ward, Scott Schwartz, R.D. Robb, nice. Yano Anaya, Ian Petrella, Teddy Moore, Patty LaFontaine, Drew Hokovar, and Peter Billingsley himself, who usually does not go to these things. Wow. The tickets start at $20, and we will post the link in the show notes. So I'm sorry if I mispronounced any of those names, but it sounds pretty exciting. It does. 40 years. 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, January had the theme of a bend in the road. Mm -hmm. And one of our episodes that was very popular, in fact, you read it as I believe one of our top 10, was Forging a New Path. Yes. Michael J. Fox, Christina Applegate, and Robert Downey Jr. I found just a little bit of news on actually all three of them. Oh, good. I'm going to quickly share with you. Well, first of all, for Michael J. Fox, probably a lot of you have seen his documentary still that Mm -hmm. came out just recently. It has gotten such good reviews. Mm. And as I've mentioned already, I've watched most of it in I felt like it was great. On Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 99% on wow. their tomato meter and a 95% for their audience rating. He is so beloved. It Absolutely. And a Variety magazine article whose title I thought was revealing was Michael J. Fox requested no violins for emotional yet joyful doc mm. still. The point was he didn't want sad music yeah, playing. He yeah. didn't want things. He wanted there to be this joyful, upbeat tone. But truthful. Yes. And that that is exactly, I think, what this documentary was like, the part that I've seen. Very real, very matter-of-fact, yet full of humor and love. And I'm paraphrasing, but there was a review written on the website rogerebert.com that commented that with its fast pace and the approach that they've used in that documentary, his, Michael J. Fox's struggle with Parkinson's is almost more celebratory in the mm. way it feels rather than sad. Mm. I thought that said a lot. It does. Yeah. Now, Christina Applegate. In May, there were several articles written about an interview she had given to Vanity Fair that had just come out. So all these other articles are talking about that one interview. Yeah. But she was quoted as saying, I'm probably not going to work on camera again. Mm. And then she went on to discuss how very difficult it was to finish Dead to Me, but mm-hmm. also what an accomplishment and mm-hmm. what a joy it was to have done it. Mm-hmm. Then there was the 30th anniversary of the race to a race MS gala that was held just this past year. June 2nd, and David Faustino, who co-starred with Christina Applegate in Married with Children, attended. Well, while he was there, of course, different reporters were speaking to him, and somebody from People Magazine asked about Christina, and his quote was, she's not ready to be here tonight. I'm just here to offer her as much support and love as I can. I think she just wants to get a little stronger. I'm thinking she'll be here next year. She was on the fence, but she just said, I'm just not feeling up to it right now. So Mm. he was kind of there representing her. Right. But I, to me, I think I think it speaks to the idea that she's still considering and doesn't sound like she feels very hopeful about getting maybe back on camera. Yeah. But but it sounded to me as though she plans to really support her cause. It, That's in good. a way, it, it felt like maybe following Michael J. Fox's lead lead a little mm-hmm. bit there. In terms of Robert Downey Jr., it was a little different. Sarah Jessica Parker has been in the news lately, of course, because she has a new show that's come out mm-hmm. and just like that. And so she's done a lot of press. And so they said it was very unusual, but she has actually kind of surprised everybody by speaking a bit about her long ago relationship with Robert Downey Jr., whom she dated from 1984 to 1991. That's a long time. And in a People Magazine article, 
article from June 20th, she was quoted as saying, people around him would be dismissive of me, but I had given him stability and tried to create a steady heartbeat that allowed him to show up on time, meaning to be functional and yeah, to kind of fulfill right. his commitments. Right. She went on to say, that made me angry and embarrassed me. But she also commented, this was from what the original source is that one same interview, but different articles were talking about it. So in a different article I found, a quote they gave was that she said it made her feel like a parent at the age yeah. of 22. Yeah. However, she was very clear. She went on to say she did not regret their time together and mm. she did not have any resentment. She was just talking about how hard it was for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, Robert Downey Jr. has always spoken very well of Sarah Jessica Parker and back in 2008 he gave an interview with Parade where he said she provided me a home and understanding she tried to help me she was so miffed when I didn't get my act together and more recently he told New Yorker via one of his reps that he had great respect Mm. for her that's so nice that's really nice okay well I have some information on our January 31st episode where no words exist the healing power of the arts we spoke about the nonprofit organization positively arts headed by Polita Simpson and a student named Ella shared with us some of her achievements and the way her participation in the program has impacted her life in April they made the announcement that Polita Simpson of positively arts was named a remarkable woman of southern Nevada that is awesome congratulations Yes. to Polita Simpson. Love it. Did you know that Vincent Van Gogh has an update? What? <laughs> he does have an update. Van Gogh is going to the <laughs> Metropolitan Museum of Art. From an article in The Guardian published on May 24th, 2023, quote, bringing together all of the artist's major Cypress paintings, as well as important sketches and drawings, the new show focuses on two extraordinarily productive years for Van Gogh, 1888 through 1890, mm-hmm. where his time in the French countryside led to some of the most renowned paintings ever created. It has been four years in the making. It's called Van Gogh's Cypresses, and it aims to be a holistic look into what led the great artist to become so captivated by the singular evergreen and how he invested himself in embodying its unique allure in artworks that have resonated for well over a century, end quote. Isn't that interesting? You know, you kind of started out a little, you know, facetiously mm-hmm. there, but I think I think it is interesting that it's like there's this resurgence, yeah. like there's an update on this yeah. artist who's been gone for so yes. long. It says the major paintings featured in what is being called a concise, this is a quote, a concise and powerful exhibit are Country Road and Province by Night, Wheatfield with Cypresses, and The Starry Night. Mm. And because Wheatfield with Cypresses is contractually obligated to never leave the Met, these Ooh. three paintings have not been displayed together since 1901. Really? Yes. Yes. And one aspect I think that you are going to be particularly interested in, Candy, is okay. that something the Met's director, Max Holland, said quote, the many letters between the brothers make for one of the exhibition's most touching aspects. He says, quote, I think the exhibit's most moving works are the very intimate letters. You see the original letters by Van Gogh to his brother Theo, where he describes what he's seeing out his window. It's very powerful to see how it moves from an idea to the written word, to sketching in a letter, to drawing to a painting. You see how the artistic process works, end quote. 
fascinating. Yes. And I these works that. are going to be exhibited together until August 27th, 2023. So our friends in New York, you still have time to go see this. I did not expect. This. I didn't either. I, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that update. You are welcome. So I don't believe we had any updates for February's theme of creators and innovators. So let's move on to March. All right. Which was Monster Madness. I loved that series. <laughs> I found some really fun updates. What? Related to our Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself. Oh, gosh. Plus Dolls and oh Clowns episode. I am like beyond <laughs> pumped about this. Okay, tell so me. So I hope you do love I it know? as much as I do. Okay. So I did not expect. Like, I'm just kind of Googling. Yeah. And this popped up in front of me. Ashley. What? Oh, my gosh. Okay. A Smithsonian article published May 25th of 2023 talked about a phenomenon that had been occurring over the past few years. Although based on the news articles that I saw as I started researching this, a lot of the press was last summer. There was a lot of focus last summer in particular. Here's the phenomenon. Oh, no. There's been this occurrence of all these creepy dolls washing up on the beaches in southeast Texas. What? The article included a video from a web segment that John Oliver, who's um, a humorist and he has a show, he had taped about this, okay? I am going to play just a small part of it, but I want you to hear it. Oh my gosh. Somebody's throwing creepy dolls in the water. Nothing like the beach is there, gang. But I'm afraid I have some bad news for you because this beach season has already developed a serious problem, specifically along a roughly 40-mile stretch in South Texas. Please, take a look. Washing up with the high tide is something that is turning heads and sparking reactions like this. I think it's very freaky. Dozens of dolls and doll parts no. stuck in the sand along the South Texas coastline. If you plan to head out to the beach, watch where you step because something might already be watching you. What? Burn them! Burn them! <laughs> I hate those dolls! I hate them so much! I'm here talking to you about that in a week that we are off exclusively because I hate them. But before I do that, I do have to very quickly give props to the local news production team there that put that segment together because that piano music was both spooky and perfect. And it is. Okay, I'm with John Oliver there. (laughs) That was creepy. It was, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, but also it was so fun, his reaction when he said, burn Burn them, them, burn burn them them all. So the article goes on to explain that about 15 years ago, this research reserve started holding a yearly outdoor auction called Tony's Trash to Treasure Benefit in honor of the rehabilitation facility's founder, Tony Amos, who had died in 2017. Well, they sell off items found on the beach Mm. for this event. Mm -hmm. And basically... Just to clarify more, what they do is they auction off strange things that wash up on the beach in order to raise awareness about protecting our oceans and to raise funds for the Amos Rehabilitation Keep, which short is ARC. Mm-hmm. And that that specific organization rehabilitates sea turtles and birds. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So here's a cute little note. According to this same Smithsonian article, the fellow we just heard, John Oliver, ended up buying those dolls for no, $10,000. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. To support that. And, well, that's you know, good. That's we good. don't know if he burned them or not, but I <laughs> we that know what his plans cute. were. <laughs> so I don't believe we had any updates for April, putting the scandal in scandal water. Mm-hmm. But when we get down to May, following mm-hmm. a thread, I think you had a couple here, didn't I you? I do. So we had the cultural phenomenon of Star Wars and the creative genius of George Lucas. The details are still under wraps, but Lucasfilm has confirmed there will be a new movie that will follow Daisy Ridley's iconic character Ray as she strives to rebuild the Jedi Order and create a new era of peace. Ooh, I bet there's a lot of excitement around that I one. bet there is too. 
too. And then also we talked about Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and Rick Deckard, Hollywood's favorite hero, Harrison Ford. Dial of Destiny has come out. We have not had a chance to see it yet as, mm-hmm. as of this recording because it came out just a couple days ago. But it has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 69% on the tomato meter, but an 88% audience yeah. score. Do you have some friends who've seen it? I don't yet. Okay. No, because it's a, so fresh. I have a couple who've seen it. Okay. And I also read some reviews because I do want to go. And yeah. I, I was like, what are they saying about it? I'm getting a vibe that, yes, of course, there are people who are criticizing it. Mm-hmm. But I am seeing a lot of people who are saying, no, it is enjoyable for really the nostalgia good, factor. Good. It's enjoyable for the way they're trying to kind of, you know, all the nods. And, and so I'm definitely excited about going. Okay, cool. We'll have to go. Yeah. Well, June had a theme of summer road trip. We just came up we with just that finished not, it not too yes. long ago. But there is a big update oh. related to Graceland. Oh, Elvis has not yes. left the building. Yes. So remember, at the end of that episode, we mentioned the legal battle that was taking place between Priscilla Presley and her granddaughters following the tragic passing of Lisa Marie in January. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, to quickly review, Priscilla Presley disputed 2016 amendment to her daughter's will. That she claimed she did not know about. Right. Which stated that Lisa Marie Presley had removed Priscilla as a co-trustee. I found out a little bit more detail about it. This petition filed in January by Priscilla, claimed that Priscilla did not receive the amendment while her daughter was alive as required by the trust. Oh. Okay, so there's the sticking point there. Gotcha. And again, as we had mentioned before, the document misspelled her name. So that was It misspelled Priscilla? Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, the petition also alleged that the amendment was not witnessed or notarized. And so therefore they were questioning the authenticity of the document, but also of Lisa Marie's signature. Mm, Sounds like somebody tried to forge something maybe? That's I think what they were trying to imply. Okay. Now in mid-May, however, the attorneys representing both sides reported that they had reached a settlement. Okay. And one of the lawyers told reporters, quote, the families are happy. Everyone is happy, unified, together and excited for the future. Now, the details of the settlement were supposed to remain private, but they have leaked. Do you think they leaked or were they leaked on purpose? Well, I don't know. There was a doc- the, the document had a lot of redaction, but supposedly there was one spot where they didn't uh, mark out okay. a figure. So the best I understand, and these are f- from pretty recent articles, a People Magazine article said that Riley Keough is now the sole trustee of her late mother, Lisa Marie Presley's estate, and that she agreed to give her grandmother, Priscilla Presley, a $1 million lump sum payment plus plus $400,000 for legal fees. Now, Riley will also be the trustee of the sub-trust for her 14-year-old twin sisters, while Priscilla is going to remain trustee of the sub-trust for her son, who is also Lisa Marie's half-brother, Neverone Garibaldi, and he is guaranteed, he's granted one-ninth of Lisa Marie's trust. The rest of it is split among Riley and the two twins. That's very complicated. I know. I thought so too. But in effect, it sounds like the families worked it out on their own. Okay, good. And that Priscilla gets this one settlement. Mm -hmm. Most everything else is over here with the girls, the Mm -hmm. granddaughters. Mm -hmm. But they have not forgotten Priscilla's son who has this one ninth portion down the road the half brother yes. of lisa murray yes gotcha. exactly uh also there is a new movie coming out called priscilla did you see that sophia coppola yeah there's a new film i i don't have any details other than i just saw previews but it is coming out very soon based on priscilla's autobiography oh 
And Sofia Coppola is doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that should be fun. We'll have to look for that. Yep. We also, in June, had a Grand Canyon episode, and a couple of our friends and listeners wrote in to us about this. Oh, okay. Yes. So Randall, hi Randall, he sent us a message kind of pointing us to other forms of entertainment okay. that were centered around the Grand Canyon that we did not mention. And the one he thought of was the 1994 hit song by Martin Page called In the House of Stone and Light. Oh. And I pulled it up and it was fun. I listened to it and saw the video, but I wanted to do just a little bit of research. And I found a quote on the Song Facts site that said, quote, in our interview with Martin Page, he explained, quote, the Indians there called the canyon the House of Stone and Light. And I saw that really as a reference to my own body and my own soul. I saw the house as my body and building something inside yourself to be strong. The house of stone and light was supposed to be this term that Native Americans used to refer to the Grand Canyon, oh. and he translated it to kind of talk about himself and his soul and his body in his song. Oh, and by the way, I believe the tribe that used that term was the Havasupai tribe. Okay. Okay. Now, my friend Jessica also sent a message. She's another listener and she was very excited about this. She mentioned that we were a little off. Matt Kearney is one of her favorite artists and she said he's not actually country, more rock or pop. Oh, okay. And we had, t- you posed the question actually, you wondered if there was some kind of a trail that ran all the way through the Grand Canyon such as like an Appalachian Trail. Yeah, yeah. She sent some information about that. I ended up doing a little bit more Googling and I found this amazing National Geographic article written about a through hike that was started in September 2015 by writer Kevin Fedarko and photographer Pete McBride. Their point was to raise public awareness about the threats to the park, you know, like trying to protect it. Yeah. So what I discovered in reading this article is that if you do a through hike, it would be approximately 800 miles long. You can't be exact because you can't go straight through. Like you have to be going around stuff and depending on the weather and all these factors. When they set off in 2015, only about 24 people. 24 period, 24 people had ever accomplished a through hike. Of those 24, this is back in 2015, I'm not sure how much the statistics have changed, probably not much, but of the 24, only eight of them, fewer than the number of humans who have stood on the moon, as writer Mr. Fredarko points out, had actually done that hike as a non-stop thing. <gasps> they went so, non-stop for 800 miles? Oh, they tried. And here's what happened. Did they die? After only six days, they had to stop. They had too much camera equipment. They were not prepared for how difficult it would be. Extreme heat. Oh, it's so hot. They were sick. They were disoriented. Back in Flagstaff, Arizona, the the photographer was diagnosed with hyponatremia, a heat-induced imbalance of salts and minerals, which could have killed him. They, They almost gave up. But the local hiking community and some Native American conservationists said, no, you guys are doing something really cool. This is really good. They supported them and the fellows adjusted their plan. They decided to do it over the course of a year. So they did it in eight stages. They hit they hit like all the different seasons, I believe, of the year. Even so, incredibly difficult. Couldn't have done it without the support of these people. Yeah. But they said it was the most amazing experience. And of course, they had beautiful pictures and oh, lots I bet. of press. Ooh. Thought that was fascinating. Sorry, this is a big one. One last update. Mm-hmm. 
We talked a lot about mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. There have been some tragic, yes. tragic news since, releases. Since, uh, since our episode came out. Yes, just in the last month or so. Yeah. So one of those I'll quickly share is there There was a man who fell 4,000 feet to his death from the very popular tourist attraction, that, that walkway, the Skywalk. Yeah. He never was identified by name. He was 33 years old and he went over the edge into the canyon below on June 5th. They had to use a a rope rescue team to to get him. He was deceased when they found him and they they did investigation. They they ruled it later um, a suicide. Mm. But this skywalk is supposed to be a very safe place. It's had more than 10 million visitors since 2007, according to the Grand Canyon West website, but they are going to examine it more yeah. and, you know, make sure, but just a tragic, Yeah, our, tragic friend, our friend Keith sent us that one shortly after the episode, mm-hmm. a screenshot of that. Well, that brings me to the end of my updates. Ashley, do you have anything else that we haven't shared? I do not think so. I think I am done as well. Oh, all right. Well, here we are. Here we are. 99. The next time we are together, the next time you all hear our voices, we are going to be celebrating our 100th episode we're i can't believe it i can't either i really cannot believe it i agree sometimes i can't wrap my head around (laughs) it we have listened to a hundred and we have talked a hundred times yes but it's been such a joy Mm -hmm. and i i know we we've done this several times but it's important to do it again we cannot thank you guys enough Mm -hmm. your support your giving up your time to listen to us yeah when you send in a little response or a comment it really makes our day it does it means more to us than you can imagine Mm -hmm. so as we head towards our 100th just a big thank you yes and a cheers to you right cheers to the listeners yes yes so cheers cheers if you love what we do please rate and review our show or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation It would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown. it's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.